So today's scripture reading comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. It's the word of the Lord. of learning and growing. The older I get, the more I discover that I don't know a lot of things. Over the years, here are the few things that I've had to learn. First of all, maybe many of you already know, let's create and live according to a budget. When you get your first job, live as a student, even though you have all this money that you think you can spend now. And begin to invest and save for emergency, for retirement. Another thing I learned is that when it comes to eating a healthy diet, look at the colors of the food that are on your plate. Are they all just shades of beige? Or are there more colors than that? And did you know, this is something I love to tell people, is that when your food has a date on it, your packaging has a date on it, it's best before, not bad after. Yeah. And sometimes there's a difference between sell-by dates and expiry dates and best-before dates. So things you can learn. But, you know, hopefully you've learned some of these things earlier in life than I have. We can get overwhelmed by what we have to know or what we might have to know. For example, Julie and I have had to advise and support Ashley as she's gone off to college. She moved from dorm living with a cafeteria in uh, her freshman year to finding a place for, on her own and finding roommates and cooking for herself in her sophomore year. She's quickly learned as an adult, you know, to adult, in signing leases, in finding roommates, in uh, owning a car and maintaining a car and parking tickets that come with owning a car, and photo radar tickets that come with driving a car, especially here in D.C. That's on top of knowing all the things you have to know for school. I haven't told her yet that she's going to have to do her taxes this year. But it's, this is not just a young adult problem. At various stages of adulthood approach, we are tempted to put our head in the sand. Paying off student debts? No, 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 no. Crossing fingers for student loan forgiveness. Homeownership and mortgage payments and home maintenance? No, 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 no. Saving for emergencies and retirement? No, 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 no. Preparing to care for my aging parents? No, 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 no. We're often so fearful of what we might have to know that we don't, that, of what we don't know yet. It can incapacitate us. But what if there's another way of approaching life 
by looking at what we don't need to know. Rather than slowly building up what you need to know over time, start with what you don't know. And let what you don't know place boundaries and let that inform what you might need to know. It's a shift of perspective. The entire book of Ecclesiastes is a book that helps us shift our perspectives in life. By honestly facing our eventual death, we can live life now in reverse by looking back from our eventual death. Through the words of Kohelet in Ecclesiastes, we're invited to stand at a graveside and be reminded of how to really live in this present life. You know, as we conclude our Ecclesiastes series today, next week we're going to start a series uh, on Lent following the lectionary. As we conclude the series today, we will see how this new perspective of living life in reverse actually helps us to live life more boldly, not more hesitantly. And that's kind of what Ecclesiastes 11 does for us. It's a kind of wisdom that helps us know. Know what not to know. Know what to know so we can live boldly. Know what not to know. Know what to know so we can live boldly. You know, verses 2 and 5 and 6, I think they're going to come up on the screen. They point out what we don't know. It says, we don't, we don't know how to guarantee our future. That's what verse 2 says. We don't know what only God can do in verse 5. And we don't know how to guarantee success and failure in life and avoid failure in life. We don't want to guarantee failure, right? In verse 6. Verses 1 and 2 speak clearly to our enterprise, our work. We produce what we do through the work and effort. And that goes out and we hope that it comes back rewarded. The images of shipping grain across the sea or bread, throw, casting your bread into the water in other English translations. These uh, describe also investing in a diverse opportunity. These are all risks that we take without guaranteed returns. If you've, been watch, if you've been investing in the stock market, you know that all too clearly in the past month. In 1 Kings chapter 10, we're told that King Solomon sent out his uh, ships of grain and waited three years before they would come back with gold and silver. Three years. Business startup statistics from the 2014 indicate that just over half of biz startup businesses make it past three years. That means it's literally a coin flip whether your startup venture will succeed after you've put three years of your time, sweat, and money into that endeavor. And maybe you're not a business owner, but you've invested at least four years of your life into some sort of post-high school education. You've taken on student debt, but even that, you're not guaranteed success. In fact, the statistics are very similar to those of business startups. Less than half of college graduates worked a first job related to their degree of study. And a third of college graduates never worked at all in the field that they studied. How's, so it's basically a coin toss for a college degree as well. We don't know how to guarantee the future. Verse 6 says the same thing. What we do with our time during the day and how we spend our time in the evening, whether it's uh, to work or to rest or to renovate our homes or to do a side gig or just sit down and watch be the, be the 
person who watches the most Netflix so you can make reviews. <laughs> Neither success or failure is guaranteed. Verse 5 speaks to the wonder of the natural order, naming weather patterns and how babies are formed in the womb. And as far as medical technology and science have been able to explain all this, there's still so much that we do not understand about the natural world. And I'm very grateful for and even in awe of the gift of science, especially in how quickly scientists have responded to the COVID pandemic. But there are still many things that we still do not know or things that we think we know, but change because of new data that comes. Because we only live life under the sun, as Kohelet uses throughout this book. But only one person live, is, exists above the sun. You know, our life is a continuous discovery of knowing, but also a discovery of what we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know. We don't know how to guarantee the future. We don't know how to do what only God can do. And we don't know how to guarantee success and how to guarantee avoiding failure. And knowing what we don't know helps keep everything else in perspective. So now we turn to what we do know from the wisdom of Kohelet here in these verses. And from these same verses, we are reminded that what we don't know, but they also have a corollary of what we can know. Verses 1 and 2 remind us that we don't know the future. And because of that, we know we can live with a much more open hand approach to life. We don't know the future, so we can hold things loosely that we're more inclined to grip tightly on. When we come to terms that we don't know the future, we're more inclined to let go and of things and let go of people that we really want to control. We're reminded earlier of a message in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, where we are encouraged to live one hand with quiet rather than two hands with toil. Because we don't know the future, we don't have to grip on to all that we have so tightly. As much as we are made to believe that we are the masters of our destiny, we find that we are very poor masters of our destinies. We cannot control the future so we can hold on to things much more loosely. In verse 6, because we don't know whether what we do will be a success or whether it will be a failure, we know that that is not guaranteed. Success is not an ultimate thing. Only God is ultimate. And anything that we put before God as ultimate will one day leave us disappointed or disillusioned or incredibly frustrated. Here, Kohelet mentions what we do with our hands, whether it's for work during the day or for idleness, during the idle times at night. And you know what that, that action is actually doing? It's called idolatry. Idolatry is just forming, isn't just forming statues of gold or wood or stone that we bow down to, but idolatry is taking some, simply something that God has placed into our hands and making that thing ultimate. Idolatry is taking what we know and thinking that we've got it all figured out based on what we know. 
And any created thing, whether it's a statue formed with our hands or material success that is the fruit of our hand, the work of our hands, or it's an ideology or an identity or a relationship that we desire or a feeling formed by the work of our hearts, they have been turned often into an ultimate thing. Idolatry is making anything other than God an ultimate thing an ultimate thing that is necessary for our happiness and success. You know, idolatry is often very hard to recognize. It's hard to see. It can show up in things that bring us joy. It can show up in things that seem to be very good. They're often very good things. And often, our idolatry is most revealed in our vocal or intense reactions to what we think are threats to our sense of success and to our sense of security. It shows up when we confront truths about ourselves, about our world, or even about our history that don't jive with what we have come to know. Take objections to this uh, legal academic philosophy, critical race theory, and uh, learning about the uglier and more honest truths of American history as an example. These vocal reactions often reveal more, perhaps, about an idolatry of white supremacy than a protection of than about protection and freedom idolatry also shows up when we want to throw off tradition and authority or truth claims because they appear to inhibit our sense of freedom but we often don't recognize that when we seek freedom on our terms and fail to recognize god as ultimate we've simply traded one particular set of authority and truth and tradition for another community with its own set of tradition, authority, and truth claims. Only God is ultimate. And when we know this and we live by this truth, then it also helps us to live wisely. Whenever we fail at our endeavors, we can say, God's got this. And whenever we succeed in anything that we've done, we, we just know that God already had this. Our value and our worth do not come from what we do or what, who we say we are. Our value and worth come from what God does and who God says we are. And this really is what we come to know when we recognize God as ultimate. It's the way of the wise. And why the wise people recognize that wise living in itself is the gift. You'll notice throughout, Kohelet, uh, throughout Ecclesiastes that Kohelet reminds us of what we don't know. And when he does that, he doesn't just say, well, just give up on life. He talks a lot about death, as we've been talking about death a lot through this series. But Kohelet isn't saying, just give up, bury your head in the sand. You know, earlier I mentioned the statistics of business success or college graduates and how they relate to your job, your eventual job that you work in. And it's basically a coin flip. 50%, three or four years into it. But Kohelet doesn't say, just don't do it that. Don't bother. Bury your head in the sand. Despite the unknowns, wise living is not reluctant in engaging. It's actually incredibly active. These verses are full of action and full of urgency despite the unknowns, despite the things that we cannot control. Look at the verbs that he, he, he uses. He says, ship your grain. Invest, 
sow your seed. This is not just sitting around the house waiting for things to happen. This is not passivity and resignation to our fate. Instead, they are invitations to live life boldly. Because we don't know, uh, we, because we know what we don't know, we can live boldly with what we do know. Because we know what we don't know, we can live boldly with what we do know that's before us. Acknowledging our death and acknowledging the uncertainty of our future doesn't mean that we have to resign ourselves to the inevitable. Instead, those who recognize and trust the character of God and the action of God find themselves to be able to live so boldly in spite of certain death and an uncertain future, at least in this present life when it comes to our future. You know, Joseph Conrad published a novel in 1900 uh, entitled Lord Jim. It's a story of Lord Jim and his crew who captained a ship uh, that sank as it traveled between Singapore and Malaysia. And uh, Conrad describes a scene very pensively. It says, A man that is born falls into a dream like a man who falls into the sea. And if he tries to climb out into the air, as inexperienced people endeavor to do, he drowns. The way is to the destructive element, submit yourself. And with the exertions of your hands and feet in the water, make the deep, deep sea keep you up. In the destructive element, immerse. You know, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we're reminded of the smallness of our knowledge and our control. And we're reminded that hard times are inevitable. We are not in control. We are immersed in this deep, deep sea that is the chaos of life. We all face an inevitable death, but that reality is not reason to clamber for escape or to step back in fear, but in fact gives us reason to be bold, especially when we trust the living God of Scripture. We can take a chance as we move our hands and feet amidst the chaos to keep ourselves the image is painted in this chapter of seed sowing and shipping grain across the sea suggests work is highly dependent on nature, something that we cannot control. A farmer or a sailor cannot control the seasons of what will happen when they sow or harvest and ship their things across the ocean. He can, they can only do what is in front of them. And like Miriam, who put her baby brother Moses into the Nile River, when Pharaoh commanded all firstborn sons to be killed. We cannot control whether what we do will succeed or fail, at least according to our expectations. We simply act with what is in front of us. Rather than be conflicted about the outcome or uh, be caught in this web of imaginary dooms or imaginary fortunes, wise living is simply to attend to what God has placed before us in the moment. Who knows what the outcome will be except God? So we can live boldly despite knowing this uncertainty. 
If we come to trust God as good and loving and powerful and in control, then we have nothing to fear despite these unknowns. The unknowns are not something to fear. We do not have to run from them. They are merely the waters that we find ourselves in. And we are invited to see how God is calling us in the midst of those waters, as we sang earlier in the service. You know, we find on this side of the cross in history, God has passed through all the unknowns that we could ever face. And though we encounter in th them in this life under the sun, as Cahelet says in Ecclesiastes, we can trust the one who sits above the sun. In Christ, we can know that what is on the, we can know what is on the other side of our eventual death. In Christ, we have great certainty of what the ultimate future holds. In Christ, we can be free from the oppression of idol our idolatry of success, whether those ideals, idols are material or cultural or ideological. We can be free from the idolatry of things that we say are necessary for our flourishing and for our sense of security. In Christ, we can be free from our fear of failure. We don't know whether what we do with our hands will, be, will guarantee success. We don't know how to control time or the seasons like God can. And because of that, we can run to the one who does. And when we put our lives into the hands of an eternal, holy, and good God, revealed in Jesus Christ, we are gifted with the wisdom to live boldly, but with tremendous humility. Because it's not our boldness itself that guarantees our success. It is boldness derived from trusting the living God. May we all discover this joy of living boldly because we know what we don't know and because we know Christ Jesus who knows all.